Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, I have on David LaCours from LaCours Design to talk about effective AEC websites. This is one of a two-part series that David and I did together for the PSM show and for AEC Marketeer. So I hope you enjoy. All right, Marketeers. Well, thank you for joining us. Today, I have on Dave LaCours. He is a principal at LaCours Design based in San Diego, but working nationally. LaCours Design is a branding and digital marketing agency helping AEC firms attract clients and talent. Welcome, Dave. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So what I wanted to bring you on here to talk about was AEC websites and before we get going in that, I am curious, how did you get into the AEC industry? What's your story? Yeah, so I came out of school. Well, I should back up a little. I went to college thinking I was going to be an architecture major. Pretty quickly determined that I thought marketing was more interesting and pivoted. And so I started my career actually in consumer products, working for Reebok, and then went to design school in graphic design in my mid-20s, had a a quarter-life crisis, and switched gears a little bit. And then sort of coming out of design school, I worked for a couple big design agencies. And I always knew I was going to start my own business. And my very first client was an architecture firm. And I liked the, obviously, the subject matter. I liked the people. And so it just sort of Uh, organically flowed. And I just started getting more architecture engineering clients. And when I first started my business, I worked in a lot of industries because like many entrepreneurs, you just do what you do to get, you know, billings in the door. But I consciously made a decision to focus on AEC about 15 years ago. When I moved back from Los Angeles to San Diego, where I grew up, I found out about SMPS for the first time and got real involved and on the board and started speaking at conferences. And I finally just said, you know what, like the universe is trying to tell me something. I'm getting these clients. I like these clients. I should just focus in this industry. And so, yeah, made a concerted effort to do that and haven't looked back. Excellent. Well, we need you. So I'm so glad (laughs) you ended up here. Yeah. So who do you think the intended audience for an AEC website is? Would it be employees or clients? It's funny you ask that because lately... The majority of the sites that we've designed were driven by firms that want to recruit and retain people. They come to me and they say, you know, David, our firm, we've got plenty of business. We actually don't want new clients or, or we feel like that part of our organization is up and running. We really need to do a great job attracting and retaining people. And I said, well, great, because everything that we do for that is going to also have a benefit for attracting and retaining clients. It's not mutually exclusive. So my answer to your question is, is definitely both. But I would also argue that you could expand that to beyond just employees or clients in that I think a great AEC website has a smaller user base in, in existing employees for using their own 
your or your own site to be able to find out information or or meet people in different offices as a, a resource for like you know keeping you at the firm because if the firm is is sharing you on their site, you're going to feel more attached. I think a site is also for you know stakeholders, whether it's a board of directors or or maybe like even like in your insurance company or your healthcare provider or all the different people that need to like learn more about your organization. And then of course, you know, it's relevant for press to find out information about your firm if they're going to be writing articles or downloading logos or you have an image library on your site. And then even like from an operational perspective, if you have subs or or people that need information that can fill out forms or download things, a lot of the times when we do sites for general contractors, we'll build in some of this operational thing for their subs. So it's a really a uh, I wouldn't say there's one audience. I think a good site speaks to all these unique audiences like in unique ways. I like that you pointed that out. What do you think should a prospective client stumble upon a firm's website? What do you think they'd be looking for? Yeah, so if you're a client, it's interesting. SMPS Foundation did a study about this and there were there kind of like seven key questions that a client wants to know. And so maybe it's best if I answer like just saying what these questions are and then I'll I'll circle back and I'll say what I think they're looking to find or or how to best answer these questions. So the first question and again I didn't come up with these questions they were from this study but I really like it and it's a framework that I often use with our clients. And so the first question is has your firm done projects like the one we're considering? The second question is, does your firm offer services that we need? Which makes sense. <laughs> has, right. your, has your firm worked for clients like us? We want social proof. The fourth is, is your firm different than others that we're considering? And if so, how? Right, Avoiding commoditization. The fifth is, can I view bios of people that might work on my project? People hire people they know, like, and trust. And so people want to know, like, who am I going to be working with? Uh, number six is, you know, is the site hard to navigate? Is it outdated? Is it have like old imagery, outdated technology? And I, I wouldn't say that's a question people come to the site with, but if you're not keeping up there, it can be a real problem. And so you need to answer that question internally. And then the final is, um, can I reach an actual person and not just have this like very cold form? Right. So if I circle back to those individual questions real quickly, I'll give some like best practices of, I think. So has your firm done the projects like we're considering? So it's really important that if you've got a project portfolio on your site, that you organize that by market, service, location, or even all three, because prospective clients like to sort of self-identify. If I'm in healthcare, I want to see that you've done healthcare. If I'm needing very specific, like acoustical engineering. I want to see that you've done that. And a lot of times there's local codes and climate pieces that are important. And so location is important as well. So it's great if a user can filter your portfolio to be able to look at projects by those three things. The second thing is, does your firm offer the services? It's just, you know, having projects and within those projects, maybe having links to the particular services that were actually employed on that particular project. And I think really great sites also have links to people. So if there was a leader on your project, having the ability to link from the project description to the bio page and get to know that person. 
The third question, has your firm worked for clients like us? You know, a lot of firms are just really resistant and I try to discourage it to actually have a client list. Sometimes a firm's so big that it, it's just un, unwieldy, but at least maybe like organizing it by market or, or, or by service because firms want to have this social proof. They don't want to like be your first and try to like show you how to run a project. They want to have that confidence that you've done it for a firm like theirs. And so then they'll be more apt to jump in. Is your firm different than ours? I think having some form of positioning statement can solve that one. Can I view bios? Yeah, again, sort of having a bio of key leaders within a firm with you know, descriptions of the projects they worked in and, and definitely including people. And then the, the hard to navigate outdated part. Yeah, just keeping your site up to date. I often say that web years are like dog years. You, you kind of have to multiply by seven. So a five-year-old site is really like a 35-year-old site and it's probably time to update it and and then the final answer to the, the, the one question, can I reach an actual person, is just you know, putting a, a face, an email, a phone number, so that if somebody had a question and, or wanted to get more information, they can reach an actual person, not just fill out a form and like hope that it gets somewhere and, and then not know if it ever will. That so, makes sense. So I hope that wasn't too long. Sorry, that's one of my favorite no. questions. So I was super excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so those seven... Um, are the, the ones that came from that particular study. I always think that people coming to the site, whether they're clients or employees, really want to know what the culture is like. And I think it's important for both the audiences because I think people want to get a sense of, A, what it's like to work here if you're an employee or what it's like to work with these people if you're going to be a client. And culture just says so much, right? So we're working on these projects for many years in a lot of cases. And if it's not a culture that sort of meshes well with your internal culture, then it's going to be problematic throughout the entire project. And so finding a symbiotic or, or like-minded cultures is super important. And then the second addition is I think that visitors, especially, well, I think both the prospective clients and prospective employees want to have a sense of, of how do leaders think, like what do they believe? So Keelan, and I, you and I had a discussion earlier about like, you know, getting access to the CEO's mind and trying to have having a sense of like what the vision of the firm is and what do the people believe and what do they value. And I think the best way to, to do that is to have some form of thought leadership. It could take the form of a blog or, hey, even a podcast like this one and allow people to get a sense of like what your position is and what do you believe on certain topics so that you can help form that ultimate trust down the road. Those are such... Great points. I think that a lot of the times, especially we, we were just talking about the different sizes of firms, but one of the things that I think small firms tend to overlook is they think that no one looks at their website. And I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard that more than once of like, well, no one's going to look at it. Why should I care? Right. These questions definitely <laughs> nail in the fact that you should. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, especially like now, when, when we're not meeting face-to-face -face as much, right? So, our digital footprint is like the only thing people have to go on. And while it's always been important and I think always will be, yeah, people go, like maybe they've already heard about your firm or maybe they even like work with somebody, but they often go to your firm to like as a confirmation or to validate mm -hmm. what they've already heard or to actually use as an internal sales tool. Like, let's say you want to use a particular firm, but you have to convince 
the finance team or your CFO or something, then having a site that is easily navigable and, and can be shown to other people within an organization is super important as well. And I also know one of the things that we touched on was prospective employees. Yes. What do you think they are looking for in an AEC firm website? Yeah. So I, I end up, when we do a, a website project, we always insist on interviewing key people. And, uh, and a lot of times what we really like to do is try to interview new hires because new hires have this sort of fresh perspective. They can remember sort of what it was like before they worked for the firm. They haven't become totally indoctrinated into the firm culture. So they're not quite as brainwashed. Uh, they have less, less bias. And, uh, and they can often like think back to like, Hey, I was looking for this job and what was my initial impression like before they uh, started to work at the firm. So coming from these different interviews that we've done, what we found is that people really, uh, prospective employees, again, and I mentioned this earlier, is they really want a sense of, of the culture. You know, everything from, you know, what are the stated core values and, and hopefully those values are written in a, a sort of meaningful and, and empathetic human way, not just sort of corporate speak. And then mm -hmm. hopefully those values are you know, manifested in some creative form. And also, hopefully those values like show up in like the day-to-day -day moments. And so, if there's like a culture section on your site, you know, you've got some really candid photography of, of that or, or video is a really great way to communicate culture. But people want a sense of like, yeah, and of course, I, I want to know what it's like going to be like. People want to sort of look into the future and see, all right, am I going to fit in there? Is it going to fit with my values? So the second is, I think people want a sense of who am I going to be working with, right? So right. are there, I mean, and this sounds kind of silly maybe, but, but a lot of people want to know, are there people there like me? And that could be look like me. So that's why I believe diversity, equity, inclusion is super important because a lot of sites and projects we work on, it's a bunch of middle-aged white guys that are the firm leaders. And they may not even, in most cases, they don't believe that's the way to go, but they're, that's who is in the leadership position. And so, you know, we have to come up with strategies for how to potentially mitigate that. Maybe it's not showing a picture of all of them together on the steps of their, their office. So I think that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, not just, you know, from a diversity perspective, but just from a mindset perspective, people want to get a sense of like, you know, what are these people all about? So being able to read some bios or, or be able to link back to LinkedIn and find out like, hey, am I going to fit in with these people? The third one is, and I know this is something, you know, that's super important to you, Keelan, is like, what kind of projects am I going to be working on? Like, you know, some people gravitate towards really big projects and they want that. They just crave that sort of high level of, of complexity and and maybe projects that are going to be featured in the news and, and that that's what they feed on, which is awesome. Um, some people really want more kind of intimate projects where it's going to make a difference in their community, but maybe it's not going to be, you know, experienced by the whole world. And so, yeah, you know, giving people a sense of like what the projects are. And then I think people want to know, like, what are the growth paths? So on, on a website, if you can include some information about training or growth or possible career paths. We've done some sites where, you know, we do some like hypothetical archetypes of different people and how they can grow within the organization. And then I think the final thing is, 
people want a sense of like, what is this organization's purpose beyond profit? Like every firm, you know, wants to make money, right? But a lot of firms have a vision that goes further and, and a lot of people looking for jobs want to align their own personal vision with a, a company vision so that, you know, if they're going to be spending 40, 50 hours a week, they're doing it for something that's greater than perhaps the, themselves and just a, a paycheck. Yeah. I'm, that lines up perfectly with what I would look for Oh, good. <laughs> and what I have looked for. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you did mention one really interesting thing there, and that was video on yes, websites. Right. Have you seen that more often now? Yeah, we are seeing a lot more video. Um, obviously, the sort of cost to produce video is becoming less in that the technology is just much simpler to use. And, and I think even people are becoming more familiar with capturing their own video, whether it's for their Instagram stories on a personal level, cat videos, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I think, you know, video is just a, like a much bigger, bigger part of our life. You look at sort of YouTube and Vimeo statistics, it just kind of goes up every year. And so, yeah, I think we're seeing a lot more video. To do well, you know, definitely takes a little more consideration and thought and planning just because you have a video camera editor and distribution method on your phone doesn't mean that you should be or, you know, like immediately <laughs> posting that on your website. So, right. you know, it just sort of comes down to like, what are you trying to do? And, and there are some cases where you do want that kind of like, quote unquote, man or woman on the street approach. And it's charming mm -hmm. and it's cool. But then there are other times where you just really do want to come off as polished. And, and if you're shooting people, you want the lighting and even, you know, have hair and makeup and all the things that like show business has done for years you like need to come into play when creating a great video and then, you know, obviously the editing and, and so forth. So, but yeah, to answer your question, video is, I think only going to become more popular. I am very excited to see that. Yeah. Yeah. And even like, you know, there's sites that incorporate, I, I call it like silent video or, or motion video or things where, because the worst thing is to land on a site and have volume turned up and like all your coworkers yes. hear it. Yeah. Nobody likes that. And so, there's some cool things that are happening on sites with that where you might land on a homepage and it might be a fly-through. It might be like a drone fly-through of a building or a, a project site. But it's just sort of the video part, not the audio part, which is totally fine. You can also do kind of fun video things just with still photography. And we've seen this from the documentary film world. People like Ken Burns, the famous documentarian filmmaker, has created a whole Ken Burns effect, where you take a still image, you either zoom in or pan out, or you shift from left to right, and you can do some cool things, you know, cutting from one still image to the next and, and give the effect of motion and video, but it's all taken from still. And then you can even add like voiceover and sound to that where people are talking about that particular project. So yeah, there's a ton of cool stuff that can happen. Makes sense, <laughs> especially with something as dynamic as video. We've talked about what a good website is. What do you think are some of the mistakes that AEC firms make with their websites? Probably the biggest one that I see is the website being focused on the firm and not the user. And let me explain what I mean by that. Of course, the, the website is going to be about the firm. But when firms organize their website and develop all the content that's going to go on the website solely based on, let's say, like an org chart, right? So they, 
they say, all right, this is how we're organized internally. So this is how we're going to put it out to the world. Well, the world doesn't care <laughs> how you're organized right. internally. The world, or let's just call them users, care about their own specific needs. So if I am a, let's say I'm a, a university administrator in charge of facilities, and I'm looking to hire an architecture firm to design our campus, right? I don't care how you're organized internally. I want to go on your website and find a market. Like I want to know that you work in my market. Like I want to see that you work in higher education, not K through 12, because it's a totally different animal. And I want to be able to know that you have experience in that. And then I want to know that you have deep experience in architecture for universities. And so you've really got to think through not how the firm is organized, but what the user wants. And and so you then the next question may be like, okay, but like there's so many different users. And and yes, that's true. And so like when we work with clients to develop their websites, we come up with these archetypes or, or user personas where we try to distill down into the sort of the most prioritized users of the site. Because you're right, we're not going to capture every single person. But by distilling down into these kind of unified core personas, we're able to reach them on a much deeper, meaningful level. And and really your site isn't for everybody. Like your, your site's not a general, you're not a Google and you know, like not everybody's going to come to your site. So I guess it, it also comes down to like really good positioning of the firm in the first place and being really clear at your strengths and how you're going to position yourself in the marketplace. Okay, so that was sort of long. Um, that's that's one big one. Um, I have two more that I think are super important, and this one relates to the previous one, and, and that is sort of the thing that I often see and is really difficult to create a great website is if your firm doesn't have a really clear positioning or or perhaps point of view, right? So in the digital world, and I just think in general, people are looking for more specific answers, right? The only way you're going to get a really clear, specific answer in Google is if you pose a, a very specific question, right? So you've got to put in exactly what you're looking for. And so if I put in that I'm looking for an architecture firm, there's nothing about that query that's going to give me the specific answer that I might need. And so now contrast that with a an architecture firm that, uh, to use my previous example, focuses on university medical campuses, like super highly niched, then if that type of language is in your website and has been optimized for search, then people are going to find your site very well. And I just think more and more today, like people want specific specialists and your firm might have a lot of specialists, like maybe work in a lot of different markets. And I would, rather than sort of call yourself generalists, I would just call yourself a series of specialists. But then you you want to like kind of position each one of those areas of specialty like with unique people and unique projects and things like that so that people feel like, yeah, they exist just to serve us rather than they exist to try to serve everybody. And then the, the final one is this concept of thinking more is better. So I a lot of clients sort of initially come to us and they, they say, God, we've done all these projects and we're so proud of them. And it's sort of like these are their, their kids, right? And they want to... They want to celebrate their kids equally. And yet, you know, you, you may love all your kids equally, but sometimes one of your kids is a little bit better at playing soccer and the other kid is a little bit better at math or whatever. And I think you need to celebrate like what they're, they're best at. And so right. what I mean by this is like kind of developing a, a more curated experience. And so you don't have to 
lists all your projects, right? Because the user is probably going to sit between and read and view maybe three to five and that's it. So like having a really clear experience, like deciding up front, like this is what we think our users should see. This is the type of work that we seek in the future. And so as a result, like this is what we're going to lead with. And usually these projects that they're leading with can cast this halo effect, right? So they can be so impressive that people feel like, oh, wow, they designed, you know, the library at Harvard University. They could probably handle this little satellite library at our junior college because they handled the the Harvard one. So yeah, picking key projects that are heroic in nature, um, not better. And so yeah. And it doesn't mean like I, a site. That's such a good point. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it doesn't mean like a site can't be deep, um, but stagger the experience so it doesn't feel overwhelming to the user, right? So um, I'll use the, the Stantec example because you're familiar with it, right? So if you go to a particular market at the Stantec site, at least the last time I checked, there were like three hero projects at the top. And, and you know, Stantec's probably done thousands of projects potentially in that particular market. But they've had the restraint and um, savvy to say, no, we're not going to overwhelm the user. These are the three that we're going to lead with. And they create this curated experience. And then as you go through at the bottom, you can access more projects. So you can see the depth, but they're not making the user have to sort through and face what we call decision-making fatigue, which is a real thing, mm -hmm. um, around like trying to figure out like, what should I look at first? So it's all about sort of hierarchy and creating a great user experience. So what you're really saying is to be the Trader Joe's. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Website. Yeah. <laughs> Trader Joe's is like the case example for reducing uh, decision fatigue. Oh, yeah, yeah. They right, right. Have most of their own brands. They don't have like a whole aisle full of tomato paste. <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. Fewer SKUs or stock keeping units, right? Yes. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good analogy. I love it. Can I can I borrow that one? Absolutely. Cool. So if you were to summarize the greatest AEC website that you could ever dream of, what would that <laughs> look like or what wow. would it be? Yeah. So um, I think it's a, uh, it's a site that, that moves the, the user from getting to know to getting to like to getting to trust the firm, right? And this is sort of the holy grail of, I guess, any good service industry. But a good site can do that. And somebody can get to know your firm by, you know, if you have good search engine optimization and they pose a question and you, your firm has written about that particular topic and they can come and they can learn. And then after they're finishing reading that article, they might sign up for a mailing list to get more information so they don't have to remember to come back to your site or they may, they may uh, link over to the about section to get to know the firm a little more. So that's the no part. The like part, I think, is, again, having a, a unique point of view, a difference, not trying to be everything to everybody, but having people with writing capabilities or speaking capabilities and then posting that information as thought leadership, as content marketing on your website I think it also includes having projects that show meaningful results. And, and by meaningful results, I, I don't mean meaningful results to you or your people. 
I mean meaningful results to prospective clients. And so whether that means if you can show return on investment or number of days to completion or things that are super meaningful to people that are buying your services, I think you're going to be considerably more effective. And then the trust thing, you know, really kind of only happens with follow through. And so I think in order to build trust, you've got to follow through on if you have any sort of like call to action, like so if, if somebody fills out a form that you have people in place to follow up on that or, or if the call to action is simply to email, like you have an actual person that somebody can contact or call and that follow up part is the thing that's going to really build trust. Absolutely. And no one wants to fill out a form just in their day to day life that they don't think they're going to get a response back on. Yeah, super frustrating. What do you wish you would have known at the beginning of your career? Wow. So, you know, I, I pretty quickly went out on the sort of consulting, you know, like out on my own, right? And it it would probably have made me more effective had I worked inside of an AEC firm, like I never did. I've worked alongside them for 20 something years now. And so I, I, I have, a, and I, you know, been real involved with trade organizations. So yeah, it probably, and I don't know that I would do anything different per se, but I do think it would have given me a, a really unique perspective. So I guess for your audience out there that, you know, is considering going out and, and starting a consulting gig, I think you'll, you're going to have a great advantage having worked at a firm and really understanding like what the pain points are and how organizations are organized and like just, you know, simple things about like internal politics or like how to get things funded or approved internally. I, I think all that is super invaluable. So yeah, don't take that for granted because that insider knowledge is, is super helpful. And it's helpful if you work at, you know, any size firm. And then I think it also ultimately becomes helpful if you go out and, and be a consultant. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If our listeners want to find out more about you, where should I direct them? Probably our website, liqueursdesign.com, L-E-C-O-U-R-S, design, all one word, dot com. Perfect. Well, thank you. All right, Marketeers, that's a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. To listen to part two or part one, depending on when you're listening, of this collaboration that David and I did together with PSM Show and the AEC Marketeer, you can either head over to PSM Show and listen to his interview with me on small, medium, and large size firms, or just hang tight a week, and I will be posting that next week. As always, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every Wednesday. Chat soon.